Hi, everyone. This is Connie Jacob from the Brave Podcast. I'm so excited today to have a friend who feels like a friend, even though I've never met her, Crystal <laughs> Earl, founder of Brave Souls and co-host of a, an amazing podcast that I just stumbled upon. I can do something about this. And it's interesting, Crystal. We were just chatting before I mm -hmm. pressed record about how our lives have paralleled one another for yeah, a long totally. time. Never yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've always been a real give a give back type of person. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I wonder if you could share with the audience a little bit. I mean, there's so much that you have done. Mm -hmm. There's so much that you're doing, but yeah. maybe just what you feel to share about some of the things that you have done or our little parallel universes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, in a lot of ways, my journey has always been about the thing that fuels me the most um, is about social change. And that's taken on many different, uh, many different faces and experiences and many different iterations of me and in the organizations that I've started. But I have been a social entrepreneur since probably I popped out of the womb. Um, and I often joke that I've had almost like an abusive relationship with entrepreneurialism because it's like, <laughs> it fuels me so much that, um, you know, I, I can, I fall in love with ideas over and over again. And it's so easy for me to be able to see the possibilities and something, which is great. Um, but it's also, you know, sometimes I just have to dial it back a little bit. But so I started my kind of my journey around what brought me to this conversation, just a really quick oversight is that in, uh, in 1998, I, um, I was living in Saskatchewan. And my then husband and I were, uh, we were actually youth pastors in a a small little town in Saskatchewan called Shellbrook. And during my time there, uh, my brother, who was 20 at the time, I uh, was killed in an accident. And uh, he was my only brother. And the whole process of losing him, just uh, all the other things that are around loss and the shock of things uh, caused me to just start to ask myself, you know, what is, what is it that I really, my life is about? So you you can we can go through our lives and we can we can think it's one way because everybody told us it should be that way or we just started down a path and we were naturally inclined a certain way uh, but that experience of losing my brother and of starting to ask myself those bigger questions made me realize that I really wanted to be leaving a legacy in some in whatever I was doing I wanted to be leaving a legacy and that legacy always I wanted it to be about the fact that I wanted the people that I worked with and that I was reaching to understand and to embrace the fact that they had, that there was more, more to life than what they were experiencing. And that if they, it, that in the search and the, the pursuit of purpose over and over again, not just one big purpose, but the pursuit of purpose and a purposeful life could radically change what 
you know, what was possible for them. So the first iteration of that was we started, we launched an organization called Live Different. Um, and Live Different is still going today. Um, and traveling in high schools and doing motivational presentations. I lived on tour buses for 20 years. I lived out of a suitcase for <laughs> so long, uh, touring across Canada, across North America, in Europe, in um, different parts of the Caribbean. And then uh, out of that also started to evolve um, uh, working, doing humanitarian work. And so we launched kind of the second arm of what we were doing with Live Different in 2004, uh, before the word volunteerism even existed. You know, now it's like a common word that everybody understands. But at the time, uh, him and I had gone to Dominican Republic on uh, selloffvacations.com. And uh, friends of ours were, were humanitarian workers there. And I was at the resort and I was really bored and I reached out to them and didn't know that they just lived a couple minutes away from where we were. And they picked us up the next day to show us the projects that they were working on. And we just went down this little cow path in the five minutes away from the resort and ended up in this village. And that day I met this woman um, and I sat with her out on the front step of her house and her house was, you know, smaller than this room that I'm in right now as we're recording and it was a uh, home that she shared with her and her four children. And they had one bed and the bed was up on paint tins. And she shared her life with me. And just we had this conversation and it was it was such a profound conversation. I don't know if it was profound for her, but it was profound for me because for the first time, someone let me see into their world in a way that wasn't... Um, it was just, it was like a gift. I just felt like I was had this holy gift from this woman where she was just inviting me into her world. And that experience um, led me to just start to see things differently and, and start to think about what would it look like for us to provide this kind of experience and these kind of relationships through the work that we're doing in the schools with students in Canada, but in a context where they could, we could partner with communities in other parts of the world. And that was what launched that. And so that first summer, so then the following summer of 2005, we brought, are you ready for this? Mm. 280 teenagers to the North Coast of Dominican Republic and we built houses and yeah, it was crazy. 280. And 280, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't even believe it. You know, and I remember them getting off, like they're getting off the bus at like the location. I'm like, dear God, they actually believed us. Their parents now trusted us with them. Like, oh my gosh. And so, um, so uh, it was amazing, crazy, everything you can imagine that it would have been. But one of the things that happened in that place was that someone came and found me that night, one of the nights that I was there, and they they invited me to come to the, the landfill that was just down the road because they wanted to introduce me to a community of people that um, worked there, and some of them actually lived there at the time. And so that was my first introduction to landfill workers and uh, started to um, continue to work with them. Come, I came back over and over again, and in that place was where I eventually met a woman who um, she uh, had this little girl on her hip and uh, didn't, didn't think much of it, connected with her, came back to Canada because I was back and forth all the time. Um, but then that woman passed away and that uh, led me on this search to find this little girl because I knew that this little girl was without parents now and uh, found her, went back to the community and had to end up going back to Haiti to find this little girl. And um, 
over the course of a short amount of time, that little girl became my daughter, my, my then husband. Uh Um, but shortly after that, the earthquake happened and all of our paperwork, uh, was lost because we had registered everything in Haiti and Port-au-Prince and literally the building collapsed. The judge died. All of our original documentation was buried. Everything was lost. And that, um, and it eventually led to us, um, being stuck on a loop for 10 and a half years of trying to get her to Canada. Mm. My marriage fell apart, uh, but we were raising her together and I just had to figure out how to build my life again and be able to provide for this child. And always I was going back to the landfill. So over and over, I was back at the landfill all the time, working with the people there, um, you know, groups would come from all over the world and I would host them there, everything from labor rights groups to like missions organizations and everything. And, you know, when you're in a landfill, you see how things reach their end of life Mm. long before they ever reach their end of use. You know, like we, we just, we are, we live in a throwaway generation where we just don't think about, we just, we think out of sight, out of mind. And you see this in landfills in a in a very raw and real way. The people I was working with there are literally digging through the garbage. Um, and they're the ones that are doing the recycling. And so they're collecting all these plastics and everything to sell to companies to be able to uh, make a living. And so when we hear statistics of people that live on less than a couple dollars a day, that's what this looks like. Mm. And so um, I, I would start to notice that there were certain things there. And one of the things was tires. And, um, you know, a tire is a funny thing because we, we drive them, but yet they can get a little hole, tiny hole in a great big tire and they're rendered useless or we, they're useless for the purpose that we think they're, they're useful for. Mm. And so I just, I just started to think about it, you know, um, I had ideas and, um, I tried so many things. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I tried and failed and tried and failed. And I feel like I dance with failure every day of my life, just to be totally honest. <laughs> um, and I feel like failure is my closest uh, friend and it's a frenemy. Um, but I, I started to think about what if we could use those tires for the soles of shoes. And it just, it was this, I had an idea and I started down this path and I eventually, um, over the course of a couple of months, built a supply chain for myself. And I launched Brave Souls in June of 2017. I had no money. I was a single mom traveling back and forth. My parents and my uh, my new partner were helping me to be able to do what I do and be with my child. Like I, it was a really difficult, difficult time. And, but I knew I had an idea and I was pretty sure that this was a good idea. And so I acted on it and I built, put up a Shopify store and I started everything and I launched. And on June 7th, 2017, I posted an organic post on Facebook actually. And just said, I would like to introduce you to Brave Souls. And on that first day, I sold 39 pairs of shoes all over the world. And I was like, oh dear God, they believed me. And now I've got to figure out how to get these shoes made because they weren't really made. Like I just had pictures. So we built the whole, I built the whole supply chain where it was like Edwin would get the orders in the morning and Edwin would get on a boat on a rope across a river and go down to the village and hand the orders to these guys. Cause they, I found these art, these groups of artisans that were working and there's a, they had a shop on the second floor of the house and it just started that way. And, and so that, kind of, you know, Brave Souls had so many, we've had so many iterations and so many like highs and lows and difficult things. And, you know, 
um, choices that I, I feel like I could write a book on all the things to not do to launch a brand and all the things like, you know, here's a list of pitfalls. I'm still down in them, but here's all the things like, don't join me down here. But um, out of that, you know, I, I think that what happens if we are willing to follow through on an idea and we're not attached so much to the outcome as we are to the idea that to, to the, the concept that ideas are ideas are indifferent. You know, I once heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk about this and, and I, I, I love Elizabeth Gilbert and she talks about ideas and how they're indifferent. They will visit, they will visit all of us. I was not the first person to think this idea. You can find tire sold shoes anywhere, right? Not anywhere, but there's a few, you know, um, but it's what we do with those ideas that changes. It changes us first, and then it it has the potential to change life in the world for other people. Um, and so that was what my friend Rafik and I. Um, he's the the founder of Buy Good Feel Good, and so he's lived his life. He's from Egypt, and he moved to Canada. Uh, about 10 years ago, and he's lived his life to elevate and make space for social change businesses. Like he's passionate about that. And, um, and him and I have been friends for a long time. And when we got the idea for the podcast that we're now doing, it was because him and I were having conversations. And that was a phrase that we were saying over and over. And we started to think, I wonder if other people are saying that phrase too. I can do something about this. Mm. You know, I started to think about all the times in my life, looking back, all the different ideas um, that I have, I have looked at, I've thought about, and I've told myself, I can do something about this. And sometimes, sometimes I I really nailed it and it was great. Other times I was like, well, okay, that, you know, or like that was, I, I really stuck to the lean business model idea of like fail early, fail fast. Or whatever. You know, I've had all of those things happen. Um, but what I was really interested in and what him and I were, are interested in with the podcast is the idea that we, so many people have ideas. We're, we're surrounded by ideas, but there's something very profound that happens. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, there's this really great book by um, Warren Berger. It's called A Beautiful Question, A More Beautiful Question. And he talks about how when we are, um, from the time that we're little, so when we're first like really young, before we start school, we ask, there's there's estimates that we ask up to like, you know, 100 questions a day, which, and if anybody's ever had toddlers, you're like, 100 sounds like the bare minimum sometimes <laughs> when your kids are toddlers, right? Um, and we're asking them in ways that are just like, just free thought thought and and we're we're curious about everything and we're curious about everything because we're fresh to the world so we've, we're pretty freshly imprinted into the world but we're also surrounded um by people that that when when we're in it and you know a lot of us have been raised either by a parent at home or a grandparent or a caregiver for those first few years it's a very safe trusted space mm -hmm. and we ask lots of questions we have no filter on the questions we we ask about possibilities in our imagination and then when we go to school shortly after what they found was shortly after kids started school the number of questions that they would just ask free questions sharply declines and that's you know a result of the normal 
process of education. So, you know, we, we sit in a class and the, the poor teacher at the front has to control what's going on in the class. And you have to learn how to, you have to wait your turn to ask a question. And then as we get older, you know, you start to realize that the teacher will say, no, we're not going to answer that question right now because they're, you know, they're just trying to keep things moving forward. Um, and by the time we are and it's, it's actually a crazy statistic and I can't remember what it is, but by the time we're 10 or 11 years old, the number of questions we ask in a day has like steeply declined by like 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Because questions don't, they don't become safe anymore. Right. Yeah. And we start to see questions as something that if I don't know the answer, then I'm not going to bother asking the question mm. because yeah. we, we think that we need to have an answer for a question. Right. And I, um, I think that my ability to not be scared to ask questions has probably been one of the saving grace graces in my life. Um, and I, I don't have an attachment to questions anymore. You know, like mm. I just, I'm, I'm curious to just to follow things sometimes or to just look and to ask myself, I wonder why, or I wonder what would be possible. And, and it also gives me the opportunity and the grace, I think for, for myself to be able to look back and be like, yeah, you know what? I really messed up there. And the list is long. I wonder how I could have done that differently or what am I taking forward from that now? And it takes the sting out of it and it takes the, the personal bite out mm. of out of when things don't go the way that you want, because they life, don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't. Yeah. Uh, here's like a spoiler alert. Like they're not going to go the way you want or the way you think. So, yeah, you know, it's like when you make a business plan and you're like, this is just spaghetti at the wall. And I feel like I'm totally like, I'm totally snowing you on what I'm going to say that my plans are for this business that you, but I have to give you a business plan if I want to get what you have. So yeah, so with the podcast, we have been seeking out and and people are and attracting the kind of people that are like they've had an idea and they've they've seen something and they've like, hmm. And it's either been something that they've experienced themselves uh over and over again, um, or they they just realizing that like, yeah, I can do something about this. Wow. So we've had some we've had some amazing guests um that have shared very profound things and and they're just very normal people right like mm. that's the beauty that's the beauty of of making changes they're just very normal people um and i just think that the ability to be able to say that is um or to give yourself permission to say yeah i can do something about this is a really mm. brave statement to say that is yeah. such a brave statement mm -hmm. and i i love your story crystal because well, first of all, you know, it's, it is sad that tragedy shakes something in us, you know, your brother mm -hmm. passing away, that's, that's yeah. just tragic and sad. Mm -hmm. And so many of us wait for moments in our lives yeah. that are unfortunate to wake us up. And not that you would, I think that you were born an innovator. I don't think that that was the catalyst for you. I think that just, it was such an awakening. Uh, but for so many listening, I, I, as I heard you say that, I thought, oh, I just hope that anyone listening mm -hmm. doesn't wait for a moment like that to allow yeah. yourself to wake up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then you, you noticed when you went to the Dominican and you noticed something, I love that yeah. you're thinking, I, 
I could do something about this, that yeah. little girl on the hip, you could have, yeah. your life would have been so different if you wouldn't yeah. have thought that question. You yeah. wouldn't have had 10 years of traveling back and forth yeah. and having to find paperwork. And yet you were willing to go through the hard. What would you say to somebody who's, who's thinking like, oh, but what if it's too hard? Like, cause that sounds hard to mm. me, Crystal. Yeah. Would you go back? Would you change anything? I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and I, I don't, I don't think that, and I don't think that that's a blanket answer that everybody has to agree with for their life. But I know for myself personally, there's, um, you know, this is like the, the, there's a lot of trauma that gets pushed down in our lives. The trauma of life. Gabor Mate has just released a really great book about, about trauma that I highly recommend people read. Yeah. The myth um, of normal. Yeah, the myth of normal, such a such a brilliant book. Um and but yet you're right, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't change it because it was in the process of it that um in, in the ability it, it I guess what I what I'm saying is that you come through things and you realize that you can look back and you have history that you can show yourself you're you're going to figure it out you know mm -hmm. like I didn't come this far to give up yeah. so I have historical proof that I am capable of figuring out the next step I may not get the next step right but I have historical proof that I will take the next step you know and and I can I can figure that out and by doing that it's like we give ourselves we give ourselves grace and it's just so difficult it's such a it's, it's such a difficult gift sometimes to give ourselves as the gift of grace and so I think to you know to come back to your question about what would I want people to know I think that I want people to know that um it's not the question is not about being scared because you're going to be scared anyways just <laughs> that's it's not about getting rid of the fear and that I'm not trying to be trite the fear is the fear is going to be a constant companion for the journey because yeah. it's always that fearful part of us, it serves a purpose and it, it, you know, it's, it's just, it's popping up because it wants to protect us from what, from what it thinks we need protection from, but feel the fear and be honest with yourself and don't be, don't be ridiculous, obviously. And, and don't be unrealistic, but don't let the fear be the thing that holds you back from it. It's um, because, you know, I think on our, when all is said and done, if we are one of those people that are blessed enough to be able to have those moments in the last moments of our lives to reflect on our life, we're not going to be thinking about how glad we were that we didn't do something. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we're going to reflect back and we're going to think about how glad we were that we took that leap, that we, we were, we weren't scared to love. We weren't scared to try something. We weren't scared to do what was the right thing. And we weren't scared we weren't scared to pursue good because it was good because good resonates in, with us because we're good, right? Like there's good inside of us that is calling out to do good. And we, there's, there's something so beautiful that we give ourselves by, by honoring that desire to, to do something good in the world. Yes. And I know that there's someone listening right now. I just know that, mm -hmm your heart is is being awakened 
when you're listening to Crystal, you're listening to her story and going, well, maybe it's possible for me too. And if I, if I can glean anything from the heart that I hear from you, Crystal, is that you would, you know, that's something that I, I feel from you that you, you want people to, to glean from you mm -hmm. is that, Hey, you can do something about yeah. this. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I always leave my, my podcast listeners with an action step. And mm -hmm. I really liked how you were, just you noticed something you know a lot of times when we think of purpose we often think we are the ones that have to go trudging through the jungle to find it we have to yeah. find it in the wilderness we have to go up the mountain but i i loved how purpose just seemed to find you you were just mm -hmm. happened to be on a selloutvacations.com right <laughs> <laughs> exactly there you were in the dominican and and you yeah. just happened to go out into out of town there you were and boom and you allowed yourself to step into that moment. And mm. I wonder what kind of moment is waiting for anyone mm. listening. If your eyes are just open and if your ears are open to, to hear and perceive yeah. what could be in front of you right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it is, it's found in the, the in-between spaces often, I think in our lives, the small things and, um, I think it's just a way to nurture it and a way that I nurture curiosity in my, for myself and in myself is I, um, sometimes I'll do, uh, I'll, I'll just write out, like, I'll just say, I want five ideas right now. And I'll just write five random ideas. I don't need to follow through on them. All I, I just want to keep the muscle. I, I, I want to retain the muscle memory of having ideas and staying open to possibilities. And when we do that, without attachment to the outcome of something, then the, the ideas do find us. And, um, and the ones that, that connect with us are, are the ones that, you know, when we're willing to just take that next step, we're going to see that when we are willing to take the next step, you will be able to see what it is. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have loved having you as a guest, <laughs> Crystal, you. for everyone who Thank ever you, said, pleasure. You need to know Crystal. You need to, have you not met her? Have you two not met? Well, here, this is for you guys. This is for all y'all who said that. Oh, that's so great. And where can where can people find you, Crystal, and, and your and your Brave Souls work? Sure. So they can find us at bravesouls.life. So we're on social everywhere at bravesouls.life. Um, they can find me as well, Crystal Earl. Um anywhere on social and um yeah drop me a line if they they want to check in and uh, find out more about what's going on that's awesome and i'll make sure that those are in the show notes so i just want to say thank you so much for being on here with me today thank you connie it was so good thanks for inviting me